Yes, you're wrong. The podcast where you talk trash about the things people love to hate, hate to love, and that's always true on this episode because it's our end of year rankings. Uh, the the episode <laughs> everyone is waiting for it. They're always yeah. waiting for it. I'm waiting for it. I feel like the entire year while I'm watching movies, I'm anticipating this. I'm thinking, where will Shelby rank this? Where will I rank this? It's a good experiment. Yeah, it is horrific in its own way. But ultimately, yeah, a net positive for sure. Hopefully. Yeah. That's yes. cool. I will say this year, I think... I think might be our most divisive year. Like oh. you and I had very different opinions on some of these movies. And I think I'm pretty sure that none of your top 10 are in my top 10. Oh my goodness. If that tells you anything. Wow. That's, that's surprising. I thought for, I thought a couple of them might've been. Yeah. I, it's, it's interesting. interesting. I was very excited just to, to see your list. So I guess we should uh, set up how this works. Mm, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So Shelby and I have both been watching movies all year long. We both rank them. I do the calculations. So Shelby sends <laughs> me her list of the movies that she has watched and ranked. And then I take that list and... Um, and then, you know, make my, uh, and take my own and I cut some things because, because of my work, I end up seeing a lot more movies than Shelby does. Yeah. And a bunch of them are movies that no one really cares about or like <laughs> tiny documentaries or things. So I trim that down. So it's a list of, you know, mostly, uh, things that both of us have seen with some exceptions on both sides. Um, and how the scoring works is, Whatever ranking Shelby gave it, you add that to the ranking I gave it, and we get a score. So the lowest score, the lower the score, the better. So if I rank something one, Shelby ranks it one, it has a score of two, that's the lowest score you can get. So it would be at the top of the right, list, the right. best movie that we saw. Um, however, <laughs> the math gets tricky when there's a movie that only one of us has seen, because... I don't want to just give it whatever the score is that that person gave it because, for example, I it could be a movie that I thought was incredible and put it number one. I'm, like, let's say Licorice Pizza, which Shelby refused <laughs> to say. If I would have been like, oh, I love Licorice Pizza so much, number two, then it would be our number one movie on the list, even though Shelby didn't see it, which feels right. like it is unfair. Yeah, just gross, gross inaccuracies. So instead, what I do is I take the average difference of Shelby and I's movie rankings, which this year was 16 spots. Okay. So the on average, you and I's ratings uh, or rankings like vary by 16. So if it's a movie that only one of us has seen, it gets that person's score doubled plus an extra 16 points um, to sort of cover the fact that the other person might have hated it a lot more. Okay, yeah. Thank you for the reminder. I always yes. forget. <laughs> so movies that only one of us have seen get like docked points, basically, or like are they're penalized. They're lower on the list than they would be if both of us saw it and both of us liked it. 
right that makes any sense no i love that for us honestly (laughs) also i was looking back because i have all of our rankings in a spreadsheet this is the fourth year we've done this oh my gosh and the first couple years we ended up having over a hundred movies on the list yeah this year we only have 72 and i was sort of like what like why is this but then i also remembered that this year the first two months, January and February's movies actually counted towards last year's list because we go by the Oscar year. Yeah. So we're only looking at 10 months worth of movies here and not 12 months. Yeah, exactly. And um, to be fair, it, with COVID too, I feel like in general, I mean, I guess not for you because you work in movies and so you watch them all the time, but it feels like there's less movies. Like we don't cover as many movies on our podcast even. We'll like cover TV shows or like music because we're trying to fill gaps that I feel like weren't there before COVID slowed down Hollywood a little bit. And we've been playing catch up on some of these titles like No Time to Die that were meant to come out two years ago and stuff. So I feel like in general, there was just like this languishing period that we're um still trying to like catch up from because it used to be that there would be at least one biggish movie every week and a lot of weeks there'd be several so if there was a gap we could just you know like bump a movie from the previous week onto the podcast but i feel like now we go through a bit of dry spells where there's several weeks where yeah. there's really <laughs> nothing that we want to cover yeah as proven by our end of episode of ramblings where we're like oh what are we gonna do next week uh maybe this and then we end up doing something completely different anyway <laughs> but last week we didn't have an episode because you came and visited new york <laughs> yes yes uh uh happy twist um which was good i wish we'd been able to talk about um there ended up being two movies that came out the adam project on netflix with ryan reynolds and sean levy um which they have a movie represented on this list in Free Guy. Mm-hmm. And then another Pixar joint, uh, The Turning Red, which again, Pixar has like 17 entries in this year, I swear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but alas, we didn't get to cover those. I was too busy being in New York. And if I sound sick, it's because I am. And I don't want to talk about it, okay? <laughs> Did you watch either of those? Because I haven't watched either of them yet. I watched them both, yeah. Are they good? I would say um solid b for adam project it was like nice it was definitely more like family is more like a kids movie than maybe okay. free guy would be yeah um so it wasn't as like sharp or heavy hitting but it was like i was fine with it i hear the criticisms i see the criticism but overall i was like no this is like a mm-hmm. fun movie and then turning red which we might have to do like a bonus episode about because it was very controversial okay very controversial mm. um but i thought it was cute it wasn't like my favorite Pixar, but I think it's pretty funny to see the pearl clutching around this movie about a red panda. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued to see it because my roommate <laughs> had a theory that it was about periods. And then it sounds like it maybe is, but maybe not in the way that we thought it was. Yeah, or I thought quite. it was. So, yes, yeah, so I'm quite a one to one sort of I'm a, I'm excited to see it, though. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, every time I do this end of year ranking, I realize I'm bad at tracking it. So I spend the last like three weeks trying desperately to remember how I felt about movies and ranking them. So I feel like this is the year. <laughs> this is the year I'm really going to like rank them as I watch them. Okay. I, I'm centered on that goal. I'm manifesting that organized energy for myself. And I've been able to rank 
the, I think, eight movies I've seen this year so far. So props to me. <laughs> see, it, it gets you in both directions, though, because I usually do rank them as I see them. And then I'll get to the end of the year and I'm like, wh- like, what? Like, for example, <laughs> being the Ricardos was very high on my list. And oh, I was wow. like, you I must have that. really liked this movie when I saw it. But I'm... I'm like then struggle to remember like why I had it that high. And I think also like if you see something and then, you know, and you, whatever your thoughts are initially are then tainted by like Twitter and other people you talk to and the reviews. It's like, I could come out of a movie and go, Oh my gosh, that was incredible. And then it's like, Oh, the Rotten Tomato score is like a 30 and everybody said it was. Oh yeah. Sort of like how then you're like, you had like a great first reaction, which is this is bad, but then you hung out with your bougie friends and you liked feeling like the one who knew something. And so you decided, Oh no, this is high art. No, it was just the more articles <laughs> I read about Tenet, the more I liked it. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, Tenet was last year's list, so oh, yes. will okay. not be covered. Too bad. Um, okay. So, shall we get into this? Yes, we shall. Okay. Uh, coming up, bottom bottom of the pack, number 71. We have, a, we have some movies here first, because I saw more movies, and because there were movies that I saw that you didn't see, they're penalized, so we have, like, a whole, like, row of them okay, to just yeah, get through. But last place, which was my least favorite movie of the entire year, which you did not see, is Space Jam, A New Legacy, <laughs> which I found so aggravating, and boring, and frustrating, and unfunny, I went and saw it on a date and it was just like a terrible movie to see in general and a terrible movie experience. Like I just suggestion was that I think it was, I think we were like, Oh, let's go see a movie. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, space. Like, I mean, I feel like I didn't think it would be that bad. And I yeah, thought it would yeah. be like a fun, you know, sort of nostalgic, <laughs> whatever. Cause we were both in our late twenties. So second date. Well, this was like the fourth date or something. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So okay, that that's less yes, egregious. I, I don't think, yeah. And I don't think that the, you know, that it ended necessarily <laughs> because of that movie, but. You can't be sure though. Yes. Yeah. It could, it could, I'll have to text him. It, it wasn't really Space Jam all along. Yeah. <laughs> um, Number 70 is another movie I saw, Annette. This oh. is a, the Adam Driver and Marianne Cotillard musical uh, oh, wait, no, I don't know. What you're it's like a about. weird opera musical oh, where wow. they have a baby that's a puppet. Um, <laughs> Adam Driver sings while he's eating out Marianne Cotillard in one of the musical what? numbers. <laughs> it's a it's a bonkers movie, but not a good one. It's just bad. Wow. Yeah, I don't even I've never even heard of it. It was on Amazon. Um, and yeah, it was. It was just horrific, but it was so weird that I felt like I needed to include it on this list, even though I cut other things, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that is pretty weird. Thanks for the heads up. I will not be clicking play on that one. Uh, Number 69 is The Matrix Resurrections. (laughs) Uh, Yes, I remember. You were looking forward to that one. I was, but then it turned out to be bad and boring. And again, Kiss of Death, long. If a movie is long, if a movie is short... I can forgive a lot of things. If a movie is two and a half hours, y- you are really telling me that it it is great. And when it is not, I hate you for it forever. <laughs> That's how I feel about some of these that I'm sure we disagree on. But that'll be a while before we get to them. 
Uh, number 68, we have The Green Knight, which I oh, okay. I don't think it should be this low. I had it number 53 on my list. It, I didn't love it, but no. it wasn't, you know, it wasn't terrible. I think if you had seen it, it would have been ranked higher on this list, yeah. but alas. Then right above that is The Kingsman. Oh, which was one you were a fan of i know i liked the french i really liked the first one i hated the second one this was a prequel (laughs) that had like two good scenes in it and the rest was bad and boring (laughs) and uninventive and just not a good action movie but now we arrive on the first movie that you and i both (laughs) saw i ranked this number 66 you ranked it Number 52, your dead last movie. It is Thunder Force. Rightfully so, honestly. (laughs) This is the um, Melissa McCarthy, uh, Olivia... Octavia Spencer. Octavia Spencer. um, Quote, unquote, comedy. Uh, I think we did a whole episode about We definitely did. (laughs) So it's seared in my memory as like absolute trash. It was never a question that this would be my least favorite movie of the year. It's absolutely garbage. And it's directed by Melissa McCarthy's husband. So it's just like incestuous in its own love for the, like every comedian in that circle shows up in this movie at some point and it never works. Hated it. No. And I think everyone hated it because for it be having two big stars, I've heard nothing. Like this is not <laughs> no. a movie anyone is going to remember. It got like 21% on Rotten Tomatoes. So absolute dumpster fire. Right above that on the list, we have uh, Old, the M. Night Shyamalan (laughs) movie where they're on a beach and the girl gives birth as like a (laughs) six-year-old. Yeah. Well, and the woman gets broken into a million pieces, but keeps like... Oh, yes. By the the rock or whatever. around. Yeah. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. It was an experience that I think I would have been more okay with, except the ending reveal was just like, well, this makes no sense. This is a horrible you know, a scientific study. This just wouldn't check out oh, in yeah, any where way. They, where they give everybody the magic cocktail <laughs> and send them to the beach. Yeah, they're like murdering children because they want to get to the parents. It's like, okay, guys, like I can suspend disbelief, but like this is just asking too much. They're like, but we're trying to cure cancer. <laughs> and it did it work? Stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Number yeah, 64, good. we have ice road which i did not see <laughs> what even is this so this is a liam neeson film which i feel like he does one a year Wait, and I have to watch it he had this is not the one where he's the, the no the, no no the snowplow truck driver though no, that one i enjoyed this one was more your bread and butter like liam neeson action flick where it's about him he's like a remote like ice driver like a trucker who handles uh like far northern roads and there's a collapse in this faraway mine and they need to send <laughs> these truckers across this river that's usually frozen but it's now spring so the ice is melting so it's like a very risky trip and if you're wondering how that plot can sustain itself i don't think you're alone in that question because the screenwriters <laughs> decided to like throw in this plot twist like at the halfway mark that made absolutely no sense and made it sort of this corporate corporate espionage thriller suddenly um 
where the corporation of the diamond mine doesn't want them to be rescued for some reason. And so they try to kill Liam Neeson on the ice. And so then he has to like make it to the end. Someone's always trying to kill, kill Liam Neeson, (laughs) but they never learn. Um, This just wasn't as fun as it could have been. And also it took a weird twist where he had this like special needs brother who was also a trucker. Oh no, no. And then like spoiler alert to anyone who cares about this, like, B movie but the special needs brother gets like smashed by a truck that loses I don't know it like gets it put in reverse on accident and he can't get out of the way and he's pushed up against a chain link fence and he just like dies at the in the third act of the movie in this really like like almost nonchalant sort of way and it was just like oh wow that's that's troubling so (laughs) it sticks with you in the worst way yeah I'm gonna not watch that (laughs) Number 63, we have The Woman in the Window. Yeah, this was my second to last. Yeah, this was one that I remember so, so like kind of liking, but also hating at the same time. No, I think you need to re-listen to that episode. I don't think you had any love for it. I liked the part where she stabs the guy in the cheek. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. I guess The fight scene at the end was good. But I ranked it number 61. So, I mean, I ranked it lower than you did. So, clearly... Um, yeah, there wasn't that much love. <laughs> Number 62, we have Finch, which you did not see. This was on Apple. It was the Tom Hanks, like, yes, the, like sort robot of, dog. Yes, the robot dog. It wasn't good? It wasn't bad. I have it at 46. <laughs> oh, okay. Out of, what, 70-some? But I just did not it was kind of like a nothing film yeah and it's all just tom hanks and the robot dog wandering Mm. around Mm. and you it's like it's sweet but you it kind of just like never gets out of the first act and continues and continues on in the same way because it's there's no real plot that they can have um it sort of made reminded me of the movie with dylan o'brien last year like with the monsters like that's i feel like that's no that's like what it could have been (laughs) but it had none of the charm it was like uh yeah it was a much worse version of that yeah it's interesting i yeah tom hanks loves a solo act but i don't know if it's like I think he keeps trying to capture Castaway again, and I just don't know if he has the yeah. same sort of like separated charm anymore. You know, like he, it's you, too hard to forget that he's Tom Cruise. Yeah, you can see how someone was like, "Oh, it's Castaway meets I Am Legend." Like, wouldn't Tom <laughs> Hanks be great? But uh, um, maybe not. Okay, good. To uh, know. Right above that, we have the Wes Anderson film, The French Dispatch. Ugh. I knew I was right to skip this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you didn't need to. Uh. It's based on, or it's sort of a anthology film. It's like if you were to watch a copy of The New Yorker (laughs) unfold itself in front of you, there's like four different storylines that are written by different writers at this magazine, and you kind of cut back and forth. None of the stories really go together in any like thematic way, and also only one of the stories is really interesting at all. And every time, just as you finally get sort of invested in the characters, the thing ends and then you (laughs) cut to the next one. So just not, not an exciting piece of filmmaking, but definitely a diverse cast, right? Um, I, uh, (laughs) I do think that there was perhaps one Asian. Good for him. 
Yes. Learning and growing. Mm-hmm. I'll make N- ask. Number 60, we have the Tomorrow War, <laughs> which you were, I think, slightly higher on than I was. I I mean, I had it at um, 45 of 52. So, it, okay. so I wouldn't say it's high. Honestly, I hate like the last 10 movies on this list, like with a passion. So this is like bottom of the barrel still like scraping the sides um but i think what elevated it for me above things like woman in the window or the ice road is that i did like the the design of the aliens like i thought that was interesting and so i was like oh well i give them props i just think it lost it in the third act like in a major way (laughs) yeah i was thinking i have thought regularly about the scene where all of the aliens like take over that like island or whatever, you yeah. know, where they're all sort of like climbing up the wall. Yeah. And also I did think that the first part had some funny moments in it. Yeah. But it's, it's like if it had ended when he realized he was talking to his mom or whatever it is, or his daughter, then maybe that would have been a stronger film. But then they just like threw in that weird, we're going to go <laughs> stop global warming from releasing these aliens with our bare hands. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that was a weird choice. <laughs> yeah, I always forget about the global warming plot line of that. Yeah, it else, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's we had a left field. Uh, right above that at fifty nine, we have last night in Soho, which I could have oh. sworn you saw, but no, I did not. That's the one with Anya Taylor Joy or whatever. Yeah, it's Anya Taylor Joy and Thomas and Mackenzie, where Thomas and Mackenzie like maybe has some kind of mental illness thing <laughs> where she can go like see dead people. Oh. And and so she kind of keeps getting transported with these ghosts back into like 1960s London <laughs> and there's a murder that's happening. It seems like it would be very chic and fun, but it turned out to just be sort of dull. And <laughs> then it had a twist at the ending that was so ludicrous that uh, I, I couldn't rank it any higher than this, <laughs> even even for as like stylish and for as many good music cues and stuff as it has. Yeah, it seemed a little too weird for it to pan out the way they wanted it to. So I will say that with this list, there's a lot of movies where we are way off from each other. But there's (laughs) also a bunch of movies that we are like very close to or have the exact same score for. And the next one, Halloween Kills, you have it 50 (laughs) and I have it 52. And... Cute. Yeah. A disappointment. There's a lot of... A sequel that's bad to a movie that's good really it hurts. Yeah, it grinds the gears. The bottom yeah. of this list is full of those. <laughs> I know. I I was rooting for it honestly because you spoke so and everyone spoke so highly of Halloween and like the feminist angle, and this just took a weird like anti. I don't even know groupthink mentality where they straight up murder someone. Never revisited though. Um, yeah, just not a good film. Next, we have Zack Snyder's The Justice League, Uh, which you had at 38. I had at 62. This was the extended, longer version of the original that came out in, what, like 2015 or something like that and was really hated by everybody. Um, Was there a reason that you put this higher? Okay, so I really wrestled with this one because I didn't... I didn't like it per se, but I didn't like a lot of these bottom movies. And so it just kept squeezing its way up because I was like, you know what? I admire that he got this like 
vindicating moment to be like, it was bad, but it wasn't that bad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I feel like if he had sat with it when he was meant to sit with it and he hadn't made it four hours long and he trimmed it as a movie should be trimmed, that there were enough pieces in here that I found interesting that it was like, oh, like I admire the effort. And I still am scarred from the original theatrical Justice League that this was in a way a healing balm. And I think I was just like, you know, if we want to say blinded by that, then I respect that judgment. (laughs) Yeah. I really don't remember this film very well at all. The plot. And I remember watching it in like chunks because it was so long. I think I I watched it like a TV show. Well, it does break it up into episodes. So, right. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I like, I couldn't even tell you what the plot of this movie was necessarily, but I remember not enjoying it. I think it was just like the original was so bad that there was something admirable about him proving that he that he was right to be mad that they butchered it that badly when his daughter like died or whatever it was that left him to leave. Yeah, I mean all of the I feel like all of those DC movies the longer versions <laughs> are better. I don't understand why they let them make a movie from a script that's so long thinking, oh, we'll just cut two hours off of it and then hope it's the same movie. Yeah, horrific. Honestly, I just think more than anything, and maybe, you know, looking at it, I can see why I should have ranked it lower. But ultimately, it was like a lot of the movies below this made me angry in specific ways, whereas this, I was just neutral. Yeah, and like, was this movie better than most of the things that we've already <laughs> covered like uh-huh, i guess yeah, I, you know talking about it does help bring light to a situation that uh could have deserved more thinking on my part but i i'll stand by it <laughs> occupying a similar space in my mind is the number 56 movie which you have at 37 i have at 63 oh, godzilla yeah. versus kong yeah This one, I think, I really do remember fondly the fight scenes. Like, I think the note I would give to the film directors on this is less humans, more monsters. Because, like, the, what's it called? The, like, ship fight scene. Yes, yeah, the ship, yeah, the ship fight scene was good. And even in Tokyo or whatever, Hong Kong. But remember that remember. whole plot line where they had to like go to the center of the earth and there was like a like Kong's like <laughs> special crown special. or whatever. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I think I'd revisit Godzilla versus Kong before I'd watch something like Justice League or um you know, Woman in the Window again. And I think that that did come into my rankings. It's like would I rewatch this? And ultimately I think that explains that one for sure yeah you have a lot of stuff though that's lower <laughs> than godzilla versus kong that i'm like uh-huh I'm, i knew that the bottom I'm would be the one that made you like wait what's happening here and i just uh, we'll get into it but each of those movies had a very specific moment where i was like oh yeah that's a no for me Mm-hmm. Um. Right above that, at number ninety-four, or no, at number fifty-five, we have a movie that you and I both rank at forty-seven. This is Jungle Cruise, which Ugh. is another movie yeah. that I feel like came out and then immediately evaporated. Like, did does anyone remember that this happened? Did anyone see well, this movie? Has anyone sequel. talked about this movie in the last three yeah. months? I don't think so. I know it. It, it was, was The honestly, Rock and Emily Blunt. Yeah. 
I for I don't. This is one where I don't remember the plot. Like I don't. I remember there's a weird tribe thing that felt iffy, gave me the ick. But um, they also they're like trying to get some magical flower or yeah, something. I think because she steals it, it from the tribe. That yes, runs. and the people are. Um, it's basically Pirates of the Caribbean because they turn into <laughs> zombies at night or whatever. Oh yeah. Or they can't leave the river. Well they're like, yeah, that's right. They're they all get like sucked, but, yeah, like <laughs> sucked into the into the pit or whatever. Yeah, and the rock is one of these Spanish conquistadors too, or something. Well, and now this is just all coming back to me. The whole <laughs> thing with the rock is that he loves puns. He just tells pun jokes the entire movie. Oh, I don't remember that. Because I think that's thing? based on the ride. Like, the oh. ride is all puns, so he, like, loves a pun. Oh, embarrassing. Oh, and this had, you know, queer representation. So. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Disney, you know, Disney loves diverse stories. <laughs> yes. Such as casting a straight white man as yeah. queer. Um, right above this, we have the documentary Summer of Soul, which you didn't mm. see, and I ranked I 31. Okay. This was interesting it's basically there was a uh, like a woodstock equivalent concert in new york city at the same year as woodstock that was all like black um motown and r&b and blues singers and they filmed the whole thing and then everybody decided uh well since they're black like no one will care for this footage or watch this if we make it a movie mm. so it was just left in a basement somewhere until quest love from jimmy fallon show um like uncovered this footage and put this documentary together so it's much more of just like a concert movie than a documentary like they interview some of the bands and some of the people who um showed up to the concert but it's mostly just concert footage i thought it was interesting and i really liked watching you know all the people in suits do their choreography <laughs> and just getting to see what a concert looked like in the 60s was interesting because it's so different from today but as a whole i thought this was i don't know it's it's supposed to be kind of the front runner for best documentary and i understand that the fact that they have this footage is sort of remarkable of all of these big yeah. name groups like um Gladys Knight and Stevie Wonder and, um, you know, the Temptations and such. Mm. But I'm also like, is this a well-made documentary or is just the footage interesting? Uh, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like you would like it if you ever just wanted to like throw it on in the background. I think it's on in Hulu. Okay. Uh, at number 53, we have the newest James Bond movie, <laughs> No Time to Die. Yeah. I think I ranked this high too because yeah, you have this at 33. I had it at 56. <laughs> so I was dragging this one down. I, this is one that I couldn't remember, but I do remember, um, uh, Ana de Armas's fight scene. Yes. Yes. I remember and that. And I liked the ending where he dies, dies. <laughs> spoiler ah. alert. Um, uh, yeah, sorry if you're not giving a spoiler sooner. I know people are sometimes slower to watch these things. But ultimately, it was expected, wasn't it? 
Also, the movie did come out, I think, six months ago. Yeah. So. <laughs> so while the rest of it, I was like, this is just formulaic. It's pretty boring. Nothing's interesting here. I was like, again, I really didn't like a lot of these movies. So I can't say any more than that. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Uh, right above that, we have Zola. Yes. At number 52, I rank this 58. You rank this at 27, which is a oh, lot yeah. higher. And that's interesting because I think we did an episode on this. And I feel like I remember you not liking it. I know. I know. But that's the thing with this list you were talking about, where you're like thinking about it more and you think about <clears throat> the things that stick with you. Mm-hmm. And I think ultimately, like, I don't, I don't love... I guess I wouldn't call it romanticization, but the sort of glamorization of uh, the insidious side of sex work and how unprotected a lot of these um, usually women are. And it felt kind of like iffy the way they playfully examined sort of these assaults and uh, dangerous situations. And I didn't like that. I really don't. But I did like what the director was doing with some of the weirder scenes. And honestly, everyone in this movie is so good. And I wouldn't have been mad if like Coleman Domingo, who plays the pimp, had gotten a nomination for this because I think he does like this insidious sort of like nice guy, but will snap your neck in a single second very well. (laughs) And I also really I liked like the weird like I don't even know dream sequences sort of things or like when um, the white girl tells her version of events and there's a lot with it that I think elevated the film work itself that I was like okay I didn't love the story but I think the movie was a more interesting art piece than some of these others it was definitely a more interesting art piece I think I get frustrated one by the like gorgeousness of some of these movies where you know that the people and the settings actually in real life that this is based on were much more dingy and they Hollywoodify them. And I also did not like how sort of flippant it seemed in its handling of some pretty serious issues and also how it sort of like toggled back and forth between the tone. Like at certain points it wanted us to think things were funny, but then at certain points it wanted us to think that the same things were really serious and I could never just like quite get behind it. Um, Yeah. I think hustlers overall managed the, the tone a little better. Yeah. But I think this was trying to be more straightforward about how, um, nefarious the industry is right now at number 51 we have another movie that you and i ranked at the same place at number 42 this is eternals (laughs) one of marvel's 16 movies that came out this year yeah this is one that i feel like i liked when i watched it Mm. and then i know that we were all supposed to not like this movie but for some reason or another the parts of it that are sticking with me i liked more than uh interesting than the bad parts yeah because this is like middle of the road for you and this is bottom of the pack for me because i i tried to rewatch this because i wanted to like like i wanted to give it a chance i wanted to believe that i had just been in the bad mood when i went to the theater alone but like rewatching it with rob even i was like ugh, this is a snooze and almost everyone in it is doing a bad job. Like I really think the best actor in the mix is the guy who plays the chauffeur of 
Kumail's nunchucks oh, yes. in yes. that character. He is very funny. And everything else does not make any sense. The plot is so thinly drawn. And it it's just like a movie where they're just... I, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, nothing happens of substance. It's just gathering more characters. Like, it's just... It's just... <laughs> filling out the ranks and then in the end it's like what's happening why are you guys joining forces like he's yeeting himself into the sun like then there's suddenly this like eternal character like pulling them out it was just like a mess from start to finish and i really don't think you know all respect for the director and like i believe she had a vision and she tried her best and she had some beautiful scenes but uh, beautiful shots do not a good movie make I think I found the the storyline more interesting than some of the other superhero movies that we yeah. have been saddled with. And I will say the the whole plotline where the little girl is like in love with Richard Madden, <laughs> that was like, no, I don't need this. <laughs> and also I did not love um yeah, sort of how long it took to gather everybody together. Yeah. It felt like they were setting this up for some for these characters to be used later in the MCU, which I'm sure they will be. But I did not hate it. Um, yeah. Another Disney slash, you know, property that is a mild misfire. And number 50, we have Luca, which <laughs> I think is very low for a Pixar movie. Yeah. I'm surprised. So what did you rank this at? I had this at 50. You yeah, had I it guess at 34. I thought you would have it higher, honestly. I thought you were going to get mad at me because I remember you liking this. I thought it was fine. I think the fact that it's not gay made me... <laughs> I think if it was explicitly gay, I would have liked it a lot more. Yeah. yeah. It's very beautiful. And I think the story is kind of interesting. But it, it, it ended up like... felt like an like, animated short that was yeah, extended too long. Yeah. It didn't... It it didn't... Like, there wasn't that much complexity to it. And I feel like it didn't really go anywhere interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I even felt like the, it just kind of felt like something they found in their drafts folder and we're like, oh, I guess we can like fill the, fill the gap here. Cause it wasn't like, it didn't have a special like trick to it. I guess it was about acceptance, but it was ultimately just like this really simple story that I, I don't know. It didn't like have its usual Pixar magic and it didn't really tear you know jerk on the tears too much um so yeah it was kind of just a forgettable film that's just happens to be well done because it's pixar right above that we have our first best picture nominee on the list would you like to take a stab at what is our least favorite best picture movie this year okay okay wait i have to look at the list ah. there's 10 of them yeah <laughs> because obviously because well you know they've been going from the okay, five to okay, ten and now see. it's just ten i'm gonna say oh interesting i'm gonna say nightmare alley that is incorrect dang it is it is it licorice pizza it is also not licorice pizza <laughs> wait so if we're in the middle that means you had to rank it low and i had to rank it middly right yes it's pretty low on your list, too. Oh, so West Side Story. Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't see that one. <laughs> I forgot about it already. Yes, West Side Story. That is a bad movie. 
I mean, yeah, it, this is the thing. It's not a badly made movie. It's a gorgeously made movie. Steven Spielberg knows what he's doing. Every shot is deserving of its like viral moment on Twitter, whatever. But I just, I was viscerally angry with every single story point in this film. And I'll never, ever get on board with the Romeo and Juliet retelling. Yeah. The acting was good. The music in a lot of ways is good. The choreography was great. The problem is with the story, which is something you cannot fix. It doesn't matter how many times you redo this movie. It will still be the same basic problematic story that i don't think you can really uh, tweak at all it's, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's just it's, it's just there it's, story. yeah it's the weird like oh the the guy killed his brother but then he goes and sleeps with his girlfriend <laughs> who's the, the like it, yeah it just it's bad and then also the fact that it has the stink of um what's his name ansel not elgort. yeah ansel elgort all over it yeah it's just not a good look i did not love it and I'm yeah. just like confused by like who this musical moves, like who's getting emotional watching Maria sing about like, you don't understand love to the woman who just lost her partner too. It's like, I don't understand who's being touched by this, like at all. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> I feel like maybe if you saw the original when you were young and were like, oh, I love the dancing and the music yeah. that maybe then this new version works for you. Because yeah. it does change enough stuff that it makes you feel like the people who made it are doing some kind of work to try to fix the problematic qualities of yeah. it. But ultimately, I think there's just too many problematic issues to fix. Well, what's interesting is obviously... um Anita, the actress, is nominated for Best Supporting. Which yes, I, Ariana DeBose. I think she did great. I'm happy with that. Yes. But the lead, Rachel Kegler, wasn't invited to the Oscars. Oh, she wasn't even invited at all? No. And people this... are citing that like, oh, well, there's limited capacity this year. But I was reading the rules and it's like every nominee gets a plus one for each nomination. And so West Side Story has a lot of nominations. And so someone's just like not giving their plus one to this poor debut actress who, you know, literally is on the poster. She's the poster child for this film. She led it. You're like, it seems kind of rude that they're not like letting her come to the table. I also think that there is sort of a rule like or an exception for the best picture nominees cast because whenever something wins well when when it wins best picture and everyone goes up on stage at the end like all of those parasite actors were there and it wasn't like any of them were nominated for anything well yeah i think if it was a normal year quote unquote then she'd be able to go but since they're like oh we're doing like a thousand less attendees like sorry not sorry she like made this sad instagram about how she's like torn up about it but it's like fine and she'll be rooting for them from home and it's like is anyone else from the cast going i mean obviously anita ariana yeah um and i imagine like some others like i don't know i i imagine like with this bad press maybe she'll get a ticket you know what i mean and disney's not looking good right like this is their movie and and they're having this issue with like diversity in the first place that it's like throw the girl a bone you know like let's get her to the table so that you can tout you're like oh look we tell diverse stories right uh, we like gay people even though she's <laughs> yeah. not she's not gay but you know she's you could gay, try to lump that in yeah i mean they're like oh we don't get in politics we just tell stories that show the color of the world like whatever disney 
Figure speaking, it out. Speaking of gay, at number 48, <laughs> we have Single All the Way, the gay Christmas movie, which I liked. I have this at number 40. You, you have it at 43, which is lower for you than for me. But I thought this was such a delight. <laughs> yes, it was cheesy, but I thought in a good way. And I think that the Jennifer Coolidge performance like b- bumps it up at least 10 spots on the ranking for me. She's so yeah. fun to watch. Admittedly, you don't love like holiday films. Like You haven't watched a lot of straight-to-DVD type No, movies. oh no, no. So this is just like not that good from my experience, but I can appreciate that it struck a nerve for you. I thought it was funny. <laughs> and I thought it was... Like, yes, it was sort of sappy, but the finale I thought that... needed something more, you know. Yes, it it, it was definitely like a did. Sad, sort of deflated. Oh, I rented you a storefront. Yeah, it wasn't like the pl- <laughs> the honestly the a plot of the two guys falling in love was the least interesting thing. <laughs> it was all the rest of the family members that I thought were funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right above it, we have another Marvel movie. It's Black Widow coming in at number forty-seven. I'm sort of surprised. I I guess am I surprised that Black Widow is higher on the list than Eternals? I don't know. Oh, I I did not like Eternals, <laughs> and I did yeah, not like Black Widow. I was going to say think- you only have Black Widow like five spots higher. But on I list. think watching Eternals was like, oh, Black Widow wasn't as bad as I thought. Black Widow was just very basic. Like, it wasn't yes, really do it. And exactly. it has the Florence Pugh performance, yes. which is a lot of fun. That is literally my notes. I was like, at least we got Florence Pugh doing an accent, which I love. And, and doing the little squat thing yeah. and making fun of people. Yes. And Honestly, Rachel Weiss was good. Yeah. The cast was great. I mean, Scarlett Johansson, I could literally leave it. You know, I don't care. But I thought everyone else was having a good time. And so I liked their energy that they were bringing, even if the plot overall was pretty, like you said, it it wasn't doing anything new. It mm-hmm. felt like kind of a video game moment, like yes. the story you'd get in a video game of Marvel. But mm-hmm. at number 46, we have The Worst Person in the World, which you did not see. Yeah. This is one of the uh, international films. It's up for the Oscar this year. It's, it's also nominated for a screenplay. I liked it. It's sort of meandering. And I think has a hard time separating the parts of it that are serious with the parts of it that are kind of more satirical. Mm. And so it ends up in a spot that I didn't necessarily love. Mm. Um, But I did rank it 32. So there was a lot of good stuff here. A lot of good acting, a lot of good writing, a lot of good scenes. It just didn't quite come together in a way that I wanted it to. Yeah, I've heard good things. Right above that, we have our second best picture nominee. Care to take another stab? (laughs) Okay, okay. Um... I'm going to say this one's Nightmare Alley. This is Nightmare <laughs> Alley, yes. Which which we are pretty close on. You have a 39, I have a 41. Yeah. This is probably the moment where I'm like, okay, I don't hate every movie going forward. But this is the one where I was like, yeah, I still hate this. <laughs> yes. I. It was, again, long. It was way too it long. Was long. It was two movies that are smashed together. The parts from the first act don't really factor into the second half it like i was like choose one of these movies make it good and give it a full arc we don't need two half movies that are actually the length of a regular (laughs) normal movie 
put together. I mean, I will say it kind of reminds you of the Phil Noir, like a classic Hitchcock sort of Phil, like sort of like um, I mean, that's what they were going for. Because like, I think it's based on a movie from like that time period. Yeah. And Vertigo has a similar thing where you think it's over and then suddenly there's another twist. And so I wasn't mad about that. What I hated in this movie more than anything else that he's ever done is how he just writes off every single female character in this story. I, I hated it. I Guillermo del Toro is a great filmmaker. He, he made a very luscious and like beautiful film with this. And I wasn't even mad about the general theme around Bradley Cooper's character and how that ended up. But the way that these women were thinly drawn, like stick figures compared to like the depth that someone even like Willem Dafoe got, where he was in a bit role, but then Tony Collette just like shows up as this like, I don't even know, temptress, like sexy person who does gives him gives him a hand job, never revisits it, never explores it again. And then um Rooney Mara is like just this like, oh, I'm just a innocent ingenue. Like I didn't even know that you had such a dark side. And it's just like, I can't, I can't stand it. And Kate Blanchett even is like a villain, but is never given texture or substance to explain why she cares at all about his arc like there's nothing going on with the women in this and it bothered me every single moment of this film yeah the Rooney Mara part was terrible I the fact that she's like sort of the second lead of the movie and really gets so little is infuriating yeah this next one I am stunned that (laughs) it has managed to climb this high on the list like honestly baffled I had it at 54. You have it at 25. It's Cruella. Oh, I know. (laughs) The scene where where the Dalmatians push the mom off the cliff, and yet this is still so high for you? I know. How? Why? (laughs) Okay. okay. So Defend yourself. (laughs) I was one of the people who, I watched this with my whole family, and everyone hated it, but I was like, you know what? If they had trimmed like 40 minutes off of this, I think it would have been a good movie. I really do. Like, I think they were attempting something impossible, but I admired the gumption with which they followed through on it. Like every (laughs) dumb plot point aside, I thought, I thought Emma Stone was having the time of her life and I appreciated that energy. And Emma, Emma Thompson too. She was doing a delightful gag as like this weird... (laughs) I don't know, man. I just, I remember the um, joy I felt when the twist was revealed with the moth dress. The moth dress and was I thought good. That was and really the costumes cool. were yeah, really and great. The costumes were great. And I didn't mind the musical notes. I just think that this needed a good editor where it needed to cut down like one of the, they kept on doing like news roll reels and whatever. And like everything was trying to happen all the time. So many music cues. Every five <laughs> seconds was another music cue. But ultimately I was like, you know what? I had more fun watching Cruella than I did most of these movies beneath it. That, uh, I had to honor that. that. You know what? I would like everyone who's listening to just take that into consideration moving forward. That <laughs> perhaps Shelby's takes are not great. Yeah. She did say at the top of the hour that she's sick. And yeah. maybe that's in the head. Um, number 43, we have Red Rocket. This was the uh, sort of ex-porn star movie from the people who did Tangerine and The Florida Project. Mm. I loved those two movies. This one I thought had promise and some great moments, but ultimately did not pull it through in the same way that his previous two films had. I gave the, I ranked this 31. Mm. Um, 
you know, if you want to watch it, sure, but it wasn't like a must see. Um, another movie that you have somehow managed to drag very high <laughs> up the list is A Quiet Place Part Two, <laughs> which you have at eighteen. I had it at fifty nine. <laughs> Why are you hating so hard on it? I don't remember you liking this movie. I didn't, I mean, I don't hate this movie. I just found it very underwhelming. The, <laughs> no, the, no, no. The thing gets on the boat and okay. rides off to the co- You were like, really caught on that. You like imagined him navigating himself. All of those island. random people who just like are lurking around okay, at the okay, boat yard okay, ready okay, to like okay, rape okay, a stranger. Okay, okay, like, okay, okay. no. Yes, it had its gaps, but I think it was a stronger film than the first one. And I do, I you do just think like the one flashback scene with the with where the things attack them. That is town. a great scene. That's honestly a great short film. No notes on that. It was so good, so tense. I loved it. It was great. Absolutely, that came into this ranking. But I also appreciated that, like, you know, take us take away the little brother. I hate him. I hate everything he chooses to do. But I did like um, Cillian Murphy's like energy and their moments. And so I think the movie was like a good monster movie. No. It was. It was. No. I'm the monster movie expert, so I get to have the final Ugh, say. Woof. Woof. At number 41, we have Cyrano, which you did oh, not wow. see. This was the musical based on the play, Cyrano de Bergerac, with Peter <sighs> Dinklage. Yeah. It was very sweet, very lovely. And honestly, I liked the music a lot more than I thought I was going to. Okay. It's a very simple plot line, and... It's not really doing anything that interesting aside from the music, but I like the music enough. So I ranked this 30 and it's 41 overall. At number 40, a movie that, you know, I tr- I tried my hardest. Um, it's flawed, but maybe <laughs> it's actually the best film of this year. Unclear. No. <laughs> um, this would be Father, Son, and the House of Gucci. Which you ranked at 46, and I ranked at 29. Uh, At least it wasn't in your top 10. I would have been disappointed. No, no. This movie was way too long, and the whole last hour where Lady Gaga's barely in it, and we have to spend all that time with Al Pacino and Adam Driver and Jared Leto is miserable, but the Lady Gaga performance and the amount of (laughs) fun and energy that she's putting in, I think is very good and is is what made me rank it higher. No. I love love the Lady Gaga performance. It's so iconic. No, it is not iconic. It's the literal opposite of iconic. It will be forgotten within a year. No. Not, not on this podcast, it won't. <laughs> Sweetie. No. No, no, no. Let's move on. I don't consider myself to be a Stop. particularly ethical person, but I am fair. It doesn't make any sense. I don't okay. understand. Whatever. In number 39, we have a movie you saw I did not. It's Seaspiracy. Oh, uh, yeah. So this is a documentary. Um, surprise, it wasn't nominated for Best Picture. Uh, but it's about the um, environmental impact of fishing. Very, oh, very. I think you've talked about this very on the podcast troubling. before. Yeah, it's not a great film, right? Like it definitely has biases, but I think it's a good entry point into sort of the global issues of fishing, and in ways that, like, you know, um, kind of animal rights or these slaughterhouses, they feel kind of overwhelming because how are you going to stop McDonald's? I think the fishing industry does feel like you have a little bit more control as a consumer and as a person who can vocalize your issues to your, you know, whatever. 
um, to your fishmonger, <laughs> yeah, well, to the to your government. I mean, is there are things that are actually being done to try and alleviate this? And honestly, it was a good reminder that the ocean is pretty critical to our like to our continued <laughs> existence on this planet. Because I frankly did not understand like the circle of life as it goes into <laughs> the waters and uh, the seas, as it were. So I think it's a good it's a good film to kind of look at and and sit with i think people have their problems with it which are totally fine and worth studying more but as an entry point i really do enjoy this film and it it made me go um full vegetarian so congrats to them oh my gosh um i will still be eating fish so (laughs) thank you um okay number 38 this is I'm I'm intrigued by what your thoughts were on this movie because okay. it's everybody's talking about Jamie, okay, which yes. is a musical um, about a boy who wants to be a drag queen. Mm-hmm. I ranked it twenty four. Oh, I wow. thought it was very cute and very fun, and I've listened to the music a lot. You have have 44, you listened to the music is, or have you listened to a song? I've listened to the music. Oh wow! I mean, not not every song on there, but I think oh. that there's like four or five good songs. Oh wow! Yeah. See, I really wanted to like this one. I think I went in with a very open mind because I thought it would be like the other one you recommended last year that was about the um the closeted gay boy who oh, dates the yes. closeted oh, dating Amber. Which yes, is such I a love good movie. that. Love that. Mm-hmm. This one, I think it just felt like it had the prom energy for me. Like it really did. <laughs> I can see how you would compare the two. Yeah. And the and I can also see like how that how even how the prom would weigh this down, even though they're yeah. different movies. And I think this one's way better than the prom. Yes. But. And it has one it has one really good musical number at the beginning and the end. But the rest of it, I felt like it it the music didn't capture me and also it just yeah, it just wasn't like working as a character piece. Like I I was rooting for him, but ultimately I was like, okay, like I don't know. It it felt like well, not that I think that, you know, every coming of age or coming out story has to be about trauma, like not at all. But it felt like with this, I was like, well, the stakes felt very low, you know what I mean? Yes. Cuz yeah, he was like the... he was very well adjusted. He had like a great mother and the the father storyline was very sad, but ultimately I was like he just has like one teacher like grinding his gears, but overall like I didn't I didn't care if he got I don't know. Maybe that makes me sound mean. I just didn't like <laughs> You wanted him to have a worse life. Is no, what no, I'm no. What I'm saying it is that more I'm happy for, for him. You. Happy for him, but there was just too many songs and dance that felt like, okay, like what are we like where are the we trauma? doing here? <laughs> like could someone maybe like beat him up or something? Like no, I would love that. No, please. That's not mm-hmm. what I mean. Mm-hmm. I also just really didn't like the teacher. I thought she'd be redeemed in the end, but she was just a dick. Yeah, Which made me sad because I like the yeah. actress. Yeah, I like her too. She was in um, Game Night. Game Night, yeah. Yes. Um, number 37 on the list, we have Together Together, which is a movie you did not see. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Patty Harrison and Ed Helms. And Patty Harrison is playing the surrogate for Ed Helms. And they're kind of, you know, like going through that process together. Um, 
I love Patty Harrison. I think she's so funny and like deadpan in her delivery. So really, Ed Helms, I can kind of take or leave. <laughs> and his character is kind of weird in this. But I like her so much that I was willing to bump this up a couple of spots because I, I liked her work in this movie. Mm. Um, number 36, we have a movie that I ranked number 36. You ranked number 29. It's The Harder They Fall. Yeah. <laughs> this is the um, black Western uh, yes. with Jonathan Majors, who I find very watchable. I really did like him in this. But ultimately, the whole thing kind of fell apart in the second and third acts. Like, I, it never came together, I guess, is the bigger issue. Like, there were all these different characters and ultimately, it was just paying homage to Westerns, which I respect. And, like, everyone seemed to have a good time. But it just, like, wasn't that – I don't know. You know, like, it just didn't feel like it connected fully to what it wanted to do. Yeah, it was a fun action movie. And I thought it had some good moments to it. But it didn't – yeah, I, I wanted something more. And I think especially after – we get so many Westerns every year. And they're – at least as of late, I think usually trying to go for something a little more serious. So I was, mm. and with the pedigree of the cast, I was expecting something a little more serious. And when that ended up just kind of being a, you know, like run of the mill, shoot 'em up kind of situation, I, I, yeah. I think I was slightly disappointed. Yeah. Um. Okay. Number <laughs> thirty-five. We are hitting your fir- the first movie from either of our top tens. Oh. <laughs> this is yours. I am so bewildered, but also very intrigued by <laughs> how you're going to try to pitch this. It's the Nicolas Cage movie Pig. Wait, you didn't like this? Which I have at 55. Oh, wow. You have it at 10. I thought you liked it. Uh, no, you hated no. it. Or you I- disliked it. I, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say hate it, but I did not think it was a great movie. And I think it, uh, I don't know what it was doing for half of the time. Oh, okay, okay. This is like the, um, uh, it's like Taken, like, uh, but a pig. <laughs> no. It's like in this restaurateur, like backdoor dealings. Like this man is living in the wilderness. He has his truffle pig and it gets stolen. And so he forces his, like, you know, rich restaurateur guy who buys his truffles to help him find it. And it's Nicolas Cage. And he's, it's like one of his understated roles, which I always appreciate an understated Nick Cage moment. And I don't know. Understated is generous. Well, I mean, compared to something like freaking face off, you know, he was just kind of, he's a serious guy. He's on a mission and he's not being distracted by anything. I I thought you liked this more because you love a restaurant storyline. You love a chef, you know. It was just, it was, <laughs> it was moment. too many different things like competing uh, see, with each not, other. It's about- there was all of these lingering um, cooking shots. There was a whole plot line where Nicolas Cage has to go into some underground like fight club to get information out of things. It's in a basement of an abandoned hotel. There's- but it all mattered. It all made sense for the characters. Like it's like, oh, you think of restaurants as these glamorous, like but they uh, actually shiny fight places, clubs but in the they're basement? actually like it's like it's 
grit and drama because they're it's like horrible to be in the restaurant industry because everyone's like out to get you're just waiting to be the next best thing and i thought that was interesting that it turns out he was an old chef that everyone remembers and is renowned but he gave it up because his grief was too much that i thought scene, this was an interesting contemplation on grief the, i really did i mean it, uh, the scene where he goes to the restaurant and sort of like berates the other cook and yeah. is like i remember you wanted to be this but now you're not I thought it was strange. I the loved whole, it. The whole thing with the with, I loved Adam um Alex Wolf in it. Like I thought his relationship with his dad was interesting and I thought like the ending where you think it's going to be one thing but then it turns out he's willing to like meet this man at the table. He's willing to do he he had given up cooking, but he wanted to get this like one last piece of his life back, this pig that he was willing to like cook and believe that it could bring people together and it did. But it didn't save his pig. <laughs> no, no. I loved no. it. And you know what? This has like 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's not like I'm an outlier here. Like it's a well-received film and it's beautifully shot. And I thought the music was like moving. So I stand by it. It just seems like also such like a white boy movie. It definitely is. And there's not a woman to be seen. But <sighs> I was okay because it wasn't like a big story. It was just like this one dude's bad day. And I was like along for the ride and it it kind of reminded me of the um Joaquin Phoenix like child molester murder yes. one yeah where it's kind of uh-huh. like what is this like really about and it's just kind of this like glimpse into this other world and i appreciated hmm. that okay okay uh right above that at number 34 we have being the ricardos which i liked way more than you Ugh. did you have it at 41 i had it at 22 oh, wow. i thought this movie was fun and i thought it was I uh, like was it the best movie ever? No, but I thought that the way they tied these three storylines of Lucy getting pregnant, of Lu- of the affair, and then also this communist plotline into a week of the show was interesting and like well constructed. I liked getting to see like the behind the scenes of them making the show. Also, I really liked how they did this thing where Lucy would be kind of thinking about how a scene should be constructed and it would go to black and white and you would get to see Nicole Kidman playing Lucy the character on the TV show rather than Lucy in the movie. Like, was it a perfect movie? No. Was (laughs) it a little too contrived? Yes. But I thought it was like constructed in a really interesting way. And there was a lot of fun pieces to it. I also really loved the actress who plays, um, the other woman on set. She was the only one doing anything. Lucy's friend. Yeah. I thought I, I was, I was into it. I, I didn't ever watch. I love Lucy growing up. Like I've never seen an episode. Oh, well maybe that's So I reckon I like, I was watching this and it felt kind of like a weird behind the scenes. And I didn't know what to trust because I was like, this doesn't ring true to like anything that's been described to me about Lucy, but I just like didn't believe any of the actors were doing a good job. I mean, except I enjoyed the sidekick because she seemed properly frustrated with this annoying Lucy character. <laughs> I think that the actors were doing a better job than like they were big characters, but I think that's what they were like in the show or in, in real life. It wasn't life. about being big. It was like they were, they all seemed bored. They seemed like they were phoning it in. Like, especially Nicole Kidman and especially um, Whiplash, uh, uh, J.K. Simmons. Um, I was like, what are you guys like? Just, I didn't 
like what they were doing. I don't know if it was true to life, but it wasn't working for me. You know, not everybody can go to an underground fight club <laughs> in the middle of a movie and then walk around for the rest of it just smeared in blood. Well, mister, I hate movies with multiple plot lines that don't tie in together. Like, I mean, this was just like all over the place and it felt kind of contrived in that sense. It was very contrived, but the <laughs> plot lines did all tie together, perhaps too nicely. <laughs> yeah. um, number 33, we have another Best Picture nominee. Care to guess which one okay, this okay. is? And number eight of our of our Best Picture nominees. Okay. Um, I'm going to say it is... Oh, interesting. I guess let's go with um Ah, licorice pizza? It is licorice pizza. Oh, yes. Good. I ranked this at 23. Oh, wow. I there That's a no This for is me. the well this is uh, it's Paul Thomas Anderson. So it's well made. Mm -hmm. The acting I think is very good in it. It's also a movie where there are lots of different plots because it's sort of meandering of these two character of these Alana Haim and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's son as they go through all of these different scenarios and kind of interact with different people. And some of those plot lines I think are very strong. And so I think there's a lot of great stuff here, even if I did loathe the fact that at the end we're supposed to kind of buy into this romantic plot line between like a 17 year old and a 25 year old or however old they are so i didn't like that part but i thought sort of like west side story but maybe more elevated so that there was a lot of good work being done in the movie and unlike west side story i think there were whole sections of this that i did actually enjoy so that's how it got here yeah i I have issues with Paul Thomas Anderson. Number one being, <laughs> I don't even know where to start, I guess. But I think this movie just proves that his ego has risen above his art. And it annoys me when someone thinks they can get away with, like like you said, this like age difference without ever exploring it rightfully and just letting all the dude bros who love his movies be like, oh, it's coming to me. It's like, well, whatever. It's not grooming. It's yuck. And also, you and I talked about this offline, but like the weirdly racist dad figure yes that i've seen one too many clips of to think it did anything meaningfully for the movie i'm just like no paul thomas anderson be better like yes art deserves to be complicated and like you know whatever blah 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 cancel culture blah. but i just think it's like just because you're a great filmmaker doesn't mean you don't have a responsibility to the larger like human story happening. And it's just like gross that someone would think that's a funny thing to put on a script and then let come to life in the year of our Lord 2022. But was it better than pig? Yes, it was better than pig. <laughs> um, number 32, another movie. How did this get so high is F nine. which <laughs> yes. You have it. 13 i had it 49 okay this was well, a very meh movie it the, the, was the sh we're sending a was a car to the plant to the moon we're sending <laughs> that's and, a and, and that's 13 you can complain okay. about um who is it john cena he's not doing a good job oh wait no it's the other guy is anyone doing a good job in this movie no well, but they're doing the job they were assigned to do and then this guy shows I up guess. not matching their energy but this has some great like 
I don't know what you'd call them, like set pieces or like chase sequences, like the magnet thing, the uh, minefield, the, the, the spaceship. Like, honestly, it was great fan service. And this is the most rewatchable movie probably on this list. I would rewatch uh, it today. No, 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 no. That's a lie. That's a lie. Um, <laughs> number 31, a more rewatchable movie, I think, is Encanto. Oh. We don't talk about Bruno. No, no, no. The music in this is very good. Say what you okay. want about about Lin Manuel Miranda. I want to talk about this though. I, I do about think it. this move music is catchy. Yeah. Did we do it? We didn't do an episode on this because it happened no. on Christmas. Yeah. So I really like the subject matter of the story. I think it's interesting to have a movie look at like generational trauma and all that. I was yes. cool with like each character's note, but I felt like. It was kind of one, a disjointed movie and the music, they had like, you know, good lines, but the songs as a whole piece, I didn't think they were that good. What, what, not good in what way? Like, okay. Like the, the pressure song. I, you know, that TikTok, like the TikTok viral moments of these songs. Great. They have a good mix to them, but listening to, we don't talk about Bruno it's a mediocre song except for that 45 second part. You know what I mean? Like that's what's frustrating me is that I think TikTok has taken over this musical in people's minds because it's not like even like Moana, which Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote some of too. Those songs had a traditional like song energy yes, to okay. them. And these uh, ones were kind of like ho- cobbled these, together around good uh, choruses. I think the difference is like the Alan Menken version of Disney and all of the songs that he did for, you know, like Little Mermaid and such are very standard songs of sort of like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, where this is much more like the, the structure of these songs, I feel like is much more like the structure of the songs in Hamilton, where, yes, they sort of have choruses that you come to, but also they're they're tell they are the the songs themselves are doing a lot of the storytelling work where yes. i think in a lot of disney movies it's sort of like plot 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 now we sit down and we have a story then plot 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 plot, plot or a song then we sit down and have another song where this it's like the song is doing the work of the story so there's a lot of pieces in the song that are more talky or wordy or ha- or like don't quite fit the like regular song construction because we're moving through plot points. Like we don't talk about Bruno is a lot of plot. But and is then it? the chorus. I mean <laughs> Yeah, because he's talk because they talk about how like, oh, on the wedding of the sister, he yeah. did this. And then also, you know, the other sister is in love with the person who the the cool sister you know like and then the grandma saying like don't talk about we have the hut we have the new boyfriend like coming over to dinner there's the yeah then there's all of like bruno was um was you know like creeping around right yeah i feel like there was a lot of plot yeah i i appreciate that people like this movie and i'm happy it exists i am i think the the um the oscar nominated song was really moving and beautiful and i like the like I said, this the thematics parts of this, but I think overall it felt like a rough draft that needed a little polish as far as the story goes because it just like it was a lot of setup and then suddenly boom solved. It was like yeah everything and it also like the sister element wasn't fully explored, so it didn't feel like a payoff when she finally got her sister to sing like oh I don't want to be perfect anymore, and then that didn't even end up being the real trauma point, so it felt like a red herring almost. 
And then the grandma's just like, oh yeah, I understand now. Like we're all healed, which I'm fine with a happy ending. And I know that a children's movie needs to move quickly, but it felt like it was all this like character, character, character setup, And then it was like done. You know, it, it's also interesting because I think that last the last couple years have been sort of weak in the animated category yeah. where I think this year's animated movies are really oh, strong. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that Luca and Encanto, I think, are the worst two of the group is says a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next up, we have a movie that I did not see that you did. At number 30, we have Plan B. Oh, I wish you'd watched it. I um, I wanted to. I just didn't. I just no, ran out of time. Okay. I'm sure I'll like it. Yeah, it's just like one of those comedies. It's about two teen girls. So it's basically following the premise of like a get to the party sort of thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the boys or whatever that was. And uh, all, every single. and uh, Yeah, book smart. book smart. But instead of getting to a party, they have to make it to a <laughs> Planned Parenthood to get a <laughs> plan b pill because this girl had unprotected sex and regrets it well she didn't have unprotected sex but the condom fell off inside her and traumatized her (laughs) so it's it's funny it's fresh it's from the um it's a debut director it's a directorial debut from this like actress who i've seen in a bunch of things um natalie morales i want to say i lost Mm -hmm. my note but anyways it was like there's some laugh out loud moments in this that uh, Rob and I still talk about and I like appreciated it as a comedy film that felt fresh even in a genre that's overdone and kind of important in its subject matter without being heavy handed and everyone in it was just delightful so it was a good comedy if you're looking for just like a light movie did you see Unpregnant at all no but I had heard good things because that's, I feel like, the very similar premise yeah. with Barbie Ferreira and Haley Lou Richardson. And I didn't see either of those, but um, yeah. but yeah, I heard good things about them both. Yeah. <laughs> um, next up, we have, at number 29, the Bo Burnham special, Inside. Yeah. Which, you had a 30, I had a 26. <laughs> so I feel like we were about the same with this one. Um, This is Bo Burnham. He's inside his house during COVID sort of going through a lot of mental health issues and making funny sort of songs about them. (laughs) Um, I thought it was one of the best things so far to have come out of the pandemic. Like we've gotten a number of, you know, COVID related productions. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Love in the time of of Mm, Corona. Yeah. (laughs) And, and this, I thought, made sense that he made it it didn't feel pandering it didn't feel out of touch it like made sense i really liked it i thought it was clever in a lot of ways i was very taken with this i think the first half is much stronger than the second he really padded the top the the front bit with a lot of his best songs which i guess might speak to like his (laughs) his fall into depression and how it affected his art but it just made the second half like less it, it felt less um, constructed and kind of like harder to follow and mm-hmm. took a long time to get to the end, which also felt sort of like, wait, what am I supposed to do with this? Mm-hmm. So I appreciate the art piece of it, but as a film, it just lost me in the second half. Next up in number 28, we have a movie that you did not see. Come on, come on. Mm. This is the Joaquin Phoenix black and white movie about a, 
uncle who has to take care of his nephew while his sister is off um, trying to figure out what happened to her husband who has some um, mental health issues. And it's just very sweet. He's sort of like an NPR sound engineer and it's just him and his nephew sort of wandering around New York city, talking to each other, having cute little moments. It's not a big movie. It's not doing a lot necessarily, but I found it to be very sweet and enjoyable and i think joaquin phoenix is giving a really good performance here in a way that's very understated compared to a like joker and some of his other things <laughs> yeah. that he's been doing recently um at number 27 we have another best picture nominee okay, okay. shelby care to guess okay let's see i'm gonna say it must be oh, i'm trying to remember what you've said about any of these let's say uh king richard it is not king richard Dang it. then did you hate don't look up or no? i didn't i did not love don't look up yes that's what is number 27 on our list oh, okay, you had it at 12 i had it at 38 yeah you really liked this movie i did i mean it just felt vindicating in a way that um you know it, it's messy and it's way too long and i agree with a lot of complaints that it's like i, I don't know it it's like a little too much and too heavy handed, but it was validating to watch. And I think I, <laughs> I don't know if I can revisit it or really talk about it because it does just make me depressed, but it felt really real. So admire that for them. <laughs> I think it was a little too like um, preaching to the choir and also a little well, too heavy handed <laughs> satirically. I, I think it had some really funny, great moments to it, but yes, again, it was too long and could have been, trimmed a bit for my liking yeah um but the performances i think were good in a lot of cases as well at number 26 we have a movie i saw that you did not this is the humans which was based on a tony winning play it starred um richard jenkins and amy schumer and beanie feldstein it's one of those movies it's very clearly a play it's mm. a bunch of people just talking in an apartment <laughs> but you know i love those kind of things so I ranked it at 16, um, but it's clearly a play movie. <laughs> you ranked at 16 on number 25 on our list, which I did not see. It is Stowaway. Oh, yeah. This is another good one. It's uh, it's like the Lost in Space movie, uh, Anna Kendrick, Tony Collette, Daniel Day Kim. And they're on a mission to Mars, like a long-term mission to Mars to make it habitable to humans. And then they realize that one of the, like, workers on the ship accidentally fell unconscious and was like accidentally stowed away and so it becomes this moment where he can't like go back to earth because he's on this mission to mars but then they realize that they don't have enough oxygen for four people on this ship or however it works or enough food or whatever and so it becomes a sort of like tale of like well what do you do like you're in this impossible situation like who do you kill basically like how do you decide who gets to live Mm -hmm. And it's like a really understated film. Like it's not an actiony thing. Um, there are a few moments that feel like a little bit too Hollywood, but I really enjoyed the tension and kind of the humanity there. And I thought like similarly, Anna Kendrick who can sometimes be over the top was really nice in this movie. And Tony Collette was, was giving us her Australian accent or whatever. So love that for us. Um, yeah, I think it just was a movie that sat with me well, and I, I enjoyed it. It's on Netflix. I I liked it. 
Number 24, we got another Best Picture nominee. Okay, I think this and must be one I dragged down. Th- this is, so the ones that we have left are in alphabetical order, Belfast, Coda, Drive My Car, Dune, oh, King Richard, and The Power car. of the Dog. It is not Dang Drive My it. Car. No, this is something I dragged down. Oh, wow. This is something I dragged down quite a bit. I don't know then. Coda? No, this is King Richard. Oh, okay. Which you have at 11. I had this at 55. Oh, wow. Yeah. This movie was very just meh for me. Interesting. It was exactly what you thought it was going to be. I feel like it didn't really do uh, like i don't know it was just like a regular sports movie like yes will smith is giving a big performance yes i i did like the mom's performance as well but overall i didn't think that this was really like doing anything that a million other sports movies that i've had to see has done before it see i was ex- i was expecting to hate this i was expecting like a i tanya sort of like toxic male figure forces his girl i wish it had been more like that (laughs) this this you could tell that the williams sisters were involved in it because their dad is clearly like someone who is difficult to be around and work with and in this movie he's never really taken to task at all i disagree i think it's just a different type of stage dad right like we're used to the people who are like you got to live out my dreams type but he had this weird obsession in this movie at least how he was portrayed of like wanting to protect his daughter's lives and like wanting to make sure they had well-rounded lives and weren't just playing sports for the for the white guy you know and i think that was interesting to me because i didn't expect it is it true like i don't know he's clearly like played as someone with problems and i think they do a good job of making you sympathize with him while also being like literally what the f are you talking about dude like you have to relax you have to let it go you're you're pulling too hard in the other direction and i think that other direction was interesting to me because so often you have to like see these uh these artists or these athletes kind of push against the the dad or the mom in their life who's like real aggro and forcing them to do something they might not even want. But here it was just like a lot of black joy. Like it was fun to see the sisters and their whole family just like fully living and thriving and having a good time doing something that took a lot of work, but ultimately didn't rob them of like the experiences they also wanted. And I thought that was interesting, like how joyful their lives got to be because of the madness of this weird dude who like, had his like 14 step plan and i think it it was an interesting relationship that i hadn't expected in a sports movie yeah yeah i can see that i just yeah i just (laughs) i didn't it did not it did not work for me yeah number 23 we have a german film entry it Ah, is i'm your man in which dan stevens plays a robot who gets given to a professor to evaluate and she uh, i think she will to evaluate if if the uh the robot would be a good romantic partner and she's bristles to this initially <laughs> and then as of course it, it happens in the movies she slowly like begins to connect with him more and things lead in some interesting places i really like this i thought it was funny i thought it was clever and very sweet at the end i thought the performances were really strong um yeah I, I i was sort of like not i didn't really i guess when i going into it i didn't have thoughts on it either way but i ended up liking it a lot more than i thought i would but 
you have it at 32. So you liked yeah. it less. Yeah. I think it was ultimately just like not funny to me, but I recognize it might just be like a, <laughs> uh, just a difference in humor. I, I just felt kind of like it would dragged in a lot of moments. It, it floundered in a lot of moments and the ending was sort of like, well, what am I supposed to do with this? Maybe I just wanted my hand held a little more than it was. Um, but it just kind of felt like, okay. And I'll also say that I, it's set in Berlin and I watched it like a month after being in Berlin. So I think that was also fun for me to see like, Oh, I was at this museum. Oh, I've been there. Blah, 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 blah. So that was good. At number 22, we have a movie that I ranked 14th. You did not see. It is The Tragedy of Macbeth, Mm. starring Denzel Washington and Frances McDormand. I really like both of them. I really like Shakespeare. I think this is a good adaptation of Shakespeare. If you don't like Shakespeare, you would not like this movie. Um, It's for a very specific audience that I just (laughs) am. And I liked it. And I feel like that's all of my thoughts on Macbeth. (laughs) Number 21, we have Raya and the Last Dragon, which mm. you ranked 22 and I ranked 21. Oh. I sort of dragged my feet on watching this. I feel like at the beginning of the year you said it was good and I was sort of like, eh, I'm yeah. kind of tired of Disney movies in general. And then when I watched it because it got Oscar nominated, it's much more of an adult movie yeah. than anything else that Disney or Pixar has done recently. And I really enjoyed the like maturity of this film. Yeah. It's kind of an underrated film. I don't know why it didn't like capture audiences. Um, well, I don't think it's a very like good kids movie necessarily. Like, yeah, I mean, maybe it is, but I can see how kids wouldn't necessarily love this in the same way that they like frozen <laughs> or something. And I feel like well, a lot of adults, a baby or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, but also it's like, would adults have gone and see this like as an adult movie? I don't think so. So I can see how the audience is just like, it missed the mark somehow. There's some queer vibes too, which is nice. Yes. Um, And yeah, I think they're technically, I don't remember, there's like a time jump. So I don't remember if they're technically teenagers or if they're like young adults. Um, But yeah, I think it's like really pretty too. And um, everyone's having like a good, it's like an interesting story that allows the characters to kind of shine. Yeah. It's one of those, Oh, you got to go around and collect the pieces sort of story. Yeah. And a journey narrative, but also they're kind of picking up cast members as they go. (laughs) It, and it all ties together really nicely in the end. Yeah. Yeah. I was very moved by it. In number 20, we have one of your top 10 movies that I dragged down a (laughs) bit. This is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. See, I think this is like, I love the artistry of this film. I think the fight sequences were really interesting. The choreography of the, like, um, uh, martial arts was really beautiful. And I really like the layering of the backstory. Like, I think this is a really strong, what would you call it? Like, origin story. And I think it had such a distinct style that I've watched it, like, I think two and a half times and I love every single moment of it. (laughs) I mean, I think this is partly just a superhero bias for me because this is, I did like this movie and it is ranked high for me is in the superhero movies that are on this list. It's just like when given the choice between something like I'm your man and (laughs) Shang-Chi, I'm always going to take I'm your man. Yeah, no, this is much more watchable, beautiful, enjoyable. So it deserves the top 10. 
Number 19. We have a giant starfish attacking a city <laughs> of refugees. It is the Suicide Squad, which I think if you had asked us the beginning of last year, like, what movie do you think will be terrible that we would have both said this yeah. and yet somehow or another you have it at 24 and i have it at 17 so <laughs> oh, we like wow, it a decent yeah, amount you did like it yeah i think it was hard to watch because it's very violent and i don't always love that and there's like a lot of nastiness but it felt like fresh and fun and surprising mm-hmm. so number 18 uh we have another of the best picture contenders. This is also a movie that is in your top 10 that is not in my top 10 that I dragged down, I think, a fair bit here on the list. I'm going to say Coda? Yes. Interesting. Why do, I, you, why do you hate the deaf community, Matt? I, <laughs> I thought that Coda was just like a little too schmaltzy for me it was very oh but i'm not allowed to not like everyone's talking about jamie look that's just (laughs) homophobia at its at at its core no the uh, the thing with everybody's talking about jamie is that there are like a lot of dancey musical numbers which you know i like Mm -hmm. so so like i'm gonna so i like that more where coda doesn't have that yeah coda is a good movie it's sort of like a Little Miss Sunshine type film. Just, mm-hmm. I think it doesn't have quite the humor or edge to it, in my opinion, that something like Little Miss Sunshine does that like kind of pushes it over. So I found it a, a little bland and a little, um, for, for as sweet as it was. Yeah. It just was, I wasn't sure, like, aside from the fact that it was uh, a deaf family, I didn't think it was really doing that much different for me, but well, I did really like difference. the performance and I loved Troy Kotzer who plays the dad yeah. and I'm, I'm more than happy if he wins best supporting actor. Yeah. I think everyone, especially the, the deaf family members are really, really good in this. And I loved every single scene with them. It, this is number two for me. Like it is literally yes. one of my favorite movies of the year. And I think it, surprised me it really made me emotional and i'm not mad about it being a happy movie like i think feel-good movies don't necessarily mean they're worse movies you know and i think i I guess i'm saying that less to your response to it and more there's this growing fervor that it could win best picture and people are getting salty about it as if it's like not worthy of that which i disagree with because i think sure you can have your problems with the story but to your point it actually is like a revolutionary film if only because of the underrepresented community that it is representing now rightfully with with deaf actors luckily portraying the deaf community and i think that should be celebrating and it wouldn't make me mad if this won an oscar i wouldn't be upset if it won best picture because I do think it's a good movie and I think it's well made, obviously. But I think there are other movies in the lineup that mm. we will get to that are doing more interesting things in a lot of different ways. Because Coda is is a good story and it's well acted, but like it's it's a smaller movie. So in the crafts sections, it's not nearly yeah. as impressive as a bunch of these other ones. Um, you, we go from your number two to my number two, which is a very different movie. It is The Hand of God, the oh, Italian shoot, Netflix film. Oh, Matt, 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 Matt. This is... <laughs> I knew I you were going to love this movie just because 
You love a family like ensemble drama. I do. I don't know why. <laughs> it's it's a it's about a boy who's like growing up in Italy and he's like big unwieldy extended family <laughs> and him sort of like his relationships with these different characters. I thought it was very beautiful. I loved the music. I thought the performances were really well done and I kind of liked the way it sort of meandered in and out of things Mm -hmm. and you had to go back later and try to connect stuff (laughs) in your mind because it was all of these different scenes. And I felt like there was some really... (laughs) No, Pig definitely has a plot line. It is Liam Neeson (laughs) looking for his pig. That's the plot line. Nick Cage, but yeah. Oh yeah, Nick Cage. (laughs) It could have been Liam Neeson, honestly. Get him that instead of Ice Road Trucker. (laughs) No, I. But didn't I tell you when I told you to watch yeah, this movie? Yeah. I was like, you are going to not like it. <laughs> I know. I was shocked that you watched it. It's just because okay, the list you gave me like in the last week to watch are all like seven hour long movies, and this was one that I could download and watch on the plane or in my hotel. Yes. And so mm-hmm. I just happened to get around to it, and it was one of the few that was like available to stream. Was the other thing? Yeah, because it's on Netflix. Um, and yeah, I I was trying to be open minded because I love a challenge, and you said I'd hate it, but. I found this very, like, grotesque. Yes. And I don't like when men feel like their artistry means they get to demean women. And I feel like he had a raucous good time, like, making fun of his fat cousin, like, sexualizing his hot aunt. Like, the women in this film were not treated with any dignity except his mom. See, see, I feel like the aunt character is like sort of starts out that way, but then is much deeper as you get yeah. along with it. Also, I was very confused by the Baroness storyline, like this sexual. Oh yeah. That part was weird. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel like that was earned or explained in any way that moved me. And anytime an artist makes a movie about their journey to make art, I just, it makes me it it gives me pause. I'm like, okay, guys, like let's just dial down the like. <laughs> but their journey to an underground fight club, and sh- she's there. She's there. Yes. I just find it so pretentious when they're like, "This is how I knew I was meant to make art." Was when I talked to this director on the streets of I don't know Rome or whatever, and he told me, "You don't have trauma. You just have." I don't even remember. I I wanted to like, I just didn't. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> At number six, every year we have a couple of these that are high on the list that are horror movies that I like that Shelby <laughs> refused to watch. Um, At number 16, we have Candyman, which I really liked. I was going to watch it, but it wasn't streaming anywhere. Um, this I have it at number 10. I thought it was so... I thought the horror elements were well done. Well done. I thought the acting was great. This wasn't like a well-received one, right? Or did it just like slip under the radar yeah i think it was sort of it slipped under the radar i think people liked it i think it did well with critics um i think it was also sort of confusing to people that it was a sequel but really wasn't billed as a sequel um and yeah but but i i i I thought it was well done. I thought I had a lot to say about like gentrification and sort of how um, like white people push black people out of spaces and then sort of um, yeah. And, and how that haunting Mm -hmm. impacts the 
like geography of an area. So yeah, there, I thought there was a lot of good stuff here. It was like prestige horror, like I like it. Yeah. Number 15, we have another movie from your top 10. <laughs> it is your number three, my number 33, Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hater. Hater gonna hate. Um, I do. I, I recognize that this is, you know, formulaic in some ways, but I think in the ways that matter, it actually was like a breath of fresh air. One, the nostalgia factor, like you can't pretend that wasn't a great moment when like all the Spider-Mans came together and they had yes. their conversations mm-hmm. and like everyone was having a good time. And I love like a mentorship, big brother vibe. I also just, and we talked about this in the episode we did, but I really liked the, the angle this took with the, the villains of the story where it was literally all about like the importance of restorative justice versus just like deciding yeah. who lives, who dies. And I thought that was interesting for a Marvel movie to do, especially because Marvel movies can be so like, military ganda like cop ganda like oh we make the decisions because we have the power and you're a bad guy because i said so and this was much more like you need to have compassion and like everyone deserves dignity even if they're like bad guys and i thought that was really good i really liked it yeah i i liked this movie as far as i like superhero movies i thought it was fun and interesting i thought it did make some cool choices and I loved Willem Dafoe and Marissa Tomei both in it I thought they had great performances also I think the looming presence of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse like that movie was just so well done yeah and I understand that like this is is different but it felt like it was doing like like sort of trying Mm. to steal a little of that magic for me yeah which I did not love um but yeah yeah. Okay, number 14, we have a movie I have at 27, you have at 6. It is The Lost Daughter, the Olivia Coleman movie based on Elena Ferrante novel. I really liked this. I thought the performances were good. It yeah. didn't it didn't quite have like a personal connection for me right. to like bump it up into the top t- 10, but I thought it was very well executed. Yeah, you just don't understand like the trauma that is womanhood, you know? Like just the surviving of, of raising of the children, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> like I, I like. Is this going to be you talking <laughs> no, about no, Penny no. someday? Please, no, I didn't find anyone in this movie like admirable. Like Olivia Coleman's character is really hard to like, oh, and yeah. very problematic, and like yuck. You know the ick factor is there, but I think that's what made it interesting is because so often we just like sanitize our depictions of motherhood and like how important it is, and oh my gosh, this just makes me feel like a new person. You'll never understand love like this. And I thought that was like, yes, but there's this reverse side where some people aren't good at being mothers and like it isn't good for them to be mothers. And I thought that was interesting. And like it was, yeah, I think the performances just really made you want to sit there and watch it, even though it was so uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think I would agree with all of that. So I liked it. And I thought everyone did such a good job that it was like one of those movies that stuck with me. And I like kept thinking about even if I didn't Mm -hmm. necessarily like love the process of watching it see i feel like i felt similarly about the next movie on the list number 13 passing Mm. as a movie that i saw and was like just so taken with and this and so many of the scenes have just stayed with me like interesting for uh you know like i think about them regularly it's so beautiful it's shot in black and white it's tessa thompson and ruth nega there's sort of this um, you know, Ruth Nega is black, but his passing is white and is married to a white man who's incredibly racist. And, and like there's the just like, yes. And there's this looming 
sort of despair and like dread that is lurking over the entire movie because you just know that something terrible is going to happen to these two women and just the slow way that it spirals to get to that point and their two performances at the center of it are were just mesmerizing like i think about them sitting in that conservatory at the beginning and like sweating i think about them running up the stairs at the club like there's just so many Hmm. I felt like really beautiful shots in this. Um, yeah. Yeah. I really, I really liked it a lot. Yeah. I wanted to like it more, but I felt like honestly, Ruth Nega like shined so much that Tessa Thompson kind of dragged it down for me a little bit. I don't know if that was just the status of her character being more like, I don't know, in her own head type thing, but it, it yeah. And the white woman directing it. I don't know. I, I No, I, she's not white though. Oh, I think she's, I think she's, um, uh, uh, mixed. Oh. Huh. I'm pretty certain. Cause I looked that up too. I was like, this is odd that this would movie would be directed by a white woman. And then it was like, Oh no, she's not a white woman. She's a black woman who just can pass as a white woman, which I then thought like added more, a level of interest to the movie. Yeah. Huh. Oh, yeah. She said my father was African. That's right. My grandfather was African. Um, Yeah, no. It wasn't like a bad movie. It was beautifully done. I just, it didn't really capture my attention that much. At number 12, we have another Best Picture nominee. All we have left is Belfast, Drive My Car, Dune, and The Power of the Dog. Which do you (laughs) think is number 12? I'm guessing I had to... I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm going to say Drive My Car again. It is not Drive My Car. Oh, my gosh. Okay, okay. That means it's like number one for you, which means uh, it'll be a minute. But um, I don't know, I guess. I think you like Dune. I think you liked Power of the Dog. Um, Belfast? It is Belfast, <laughs> which we both ranked number 15, which oh, I cute. feel like is the uh, like a very good spot for Belfast. Yeah. It's a very... Belfast is honestly, I think, a lot like Coda in my mind. Like, yeah, I, I sort of feel like yeah, that those are movies are are occupying a similar space. It's just that Belfast doesn't have the um, like doesn't have the underrepresented minority angle to it, but I think does have a lot more um, like filmmaking interest yeah. to it. I I did watch this like literally today to make it in the nick of time for this. Um, mm-hmm. And I enjoyed it. I thought it would be more like serious because everyone kept um, comparing it to Roma, which is 100% a better movie, just FYI. It's, it's only compared to Roma because yeah. it's about the director growing up and it's in black and white. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, it's completely different. Roma's yeah. like Roma, the way Roma is shot and also just like the themes yeah. are... Yeah, so I loved Roma. Roma's so much and better. And this is like almost reminded me a little bit of like, um, uh, what's Jojo Rabbit, where it's like about this yes. kid who's growing mm-hmm. up in a very dark place, but is finding joy because what else is he supposed to do? He's a kid. Um, mm-hmm. and so I appreciated that, but it just kind of like I don't know. It it didn't like fully stick the landing for me. And again, it comes down to like filmmakers who want to make movies about how they became filmmakers. There was like a lot of like B plot about him loving going to the movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And then those would be in color. And I was like, why, why are we doing this, Kenneth? Like, tell me. <laughs> you know, they, they love it. It's like, it's like how every person who's a main character of a book is a writer, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You write what you know, I guess. 
Number 11, just outside of our top 10, is a movie I ranked number 9. You have 21. It's The Eyes of Tammy Faye. (laughs) This is honestly high for me. I don't think it's a good movie, but it was extremely watchable. I loved this movie. (laughs) I thought it was, like, yeah, is it a great movie? Like, I guess I don't know, but it's so watchable. I think that Jessica Chastain's performance is so fun and so good. And I loved the hair and the makeup and the costumes. And I think growing up in the Midwestern evangelical circuit, like, it all felt very real and personable to me like every all of these characters were people who i knew in real life basically and i was just smitten from the start to the end i did want to find out like okay they really play tammy faye as like this ah shucks i didn't know what was happening type like goody girl who just got in over her head and thought she was helping people but her husband was a bad man and i'm like do we really think she didn't know what was happening as she was buying furs and like building mansions? And like, I don't know. It just felt like a simplistic view I of th- her. I think some of the like money embezzling stuff was, was definitely like more nefarious yeah. than was led on. But I also do think that in the, um in that, in the community the, uh, like the super Christian, you know, fundamentalist, the wife is just like, isn't supposed to be asking questions. Isn't yeah. supposed to be having thoughts is just supposed to be going along with things. And I could see how like you could end up in a situation that was much worse than your own making just because of your husband's like, well, you have to like, this is what we're doing. And you're like, well, it's God's will that I follow my husband. Yeah. So even if you knew it was wrong, but they make a point of her being like, I don't think that I'm a, I know yes. I'm meant to be better I think, than this. I think that they went, I think they wanted to uncomplicate her a yeah. bit to make her more of a hero than a, bad guy but i think that she is more mostly just like a tragic figure in my mind yeah it was interesting like watching it because i was like oh this is definitely directed by (laughs) men i don't think it's a bad movie but i think it was interesting to watch how it seemed like every every point was just to get her to this more grotesque like finale where she's every it's built around her looks right like it's built around like how does she devolve while her eyebrows get thinner and her makeup gets more (laughs) defined i don't know it was just like interesting to watch a movie so obsessed with her physicality that that became the whole performance too yeah but she was also so obsessed with her physicality because you look at the pictures and and it's not like they were exaggerated for sure yeah no and i think jessica chastain does a great job yeah, well, and she and it was her like baby. She'd been trying to make this movie for like a decade <laughs> before it came out. So, which has been a whole part of her Oscar narrative. Okay, number ten is finally Drive My Car, okay. which you have at twenty three. I I have at number six, so it's okay. not like I had it a, a crazy crazy high. You, I again love a movie that's about like. I, I don't mind like a play movie, you know, yeah. like something that's super talky. This is definitely has a lot of that. It's about a, a director whose wife dies and then is putting on a, a version of a play that they had worked on together. It's a lot about grief and sort of like trying to sort through his trauma while at the same time trying to direct this play and get all of that put together. It's very long. Uh, yeah. And it definitely could have been trimmed a bit but 
for the number of over two hour long movies on this list, I felt like this one was one of the ones that I was <laughs> most fascinated by. And also I think the slow part of this movie is the beginning of it, not the end, yeah. which if you're going to be a long movie, at least make sure the last hour is the part that's like the most interesting, <laughs> which I think this did. So the reverse of the Batman basically. Right, That's exactly. Just my car. Yes, a reverse Batman. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had heard a lot about this. This is one of the last ones I watched too. It's a foreign film. It requires your exact attention, like for all yes. three hours, and so it just feels really heavy-handed through it. I, I don't know. I just. To your point earlier, I don't love a long movie. I don't think a movie needs to be three hours. And I know I've made some, you know, given some leeway to films like Avengers, but I regret it because if this is the future, I'm not ready for it. Like I don't, I don't think it serves us. I don't think it helps the story. It honestly was distracting and it became like a a marker of like, oh my gosh, I can't escape this movie which maybe is like meant to feel like the grief process but it just it didn't strike this same chord for me that other foreign films have done so I didn't feel like I understood why this one got so much hype I think the script is really good yeah and it sort of had it reminded me a lot of burning which is Uh, also based on Americami um story and is long i uh, like yeah why did this get into the best picture race i think it's partly because of that partly because with the three hours the, the actors in the film really get to do a lot with it um and it's also very beautifully shot yeah. There's lots of like great landscape <laughs> scenes lots um driving yeah scenes. lots of long driving takes <laughs> Yeah, I yes, I I really did like it, but I I also feel like this is a movie that if someone said they hated it or was too long or they were bored, it, I'd be like, yes, okay, mm-hmm, yeah. yeah, like that tracks. It's it it's, it reminds me of like trying to do Macbeth a lot in mm. some ways of just like okay, this is a movie that's for a very specific audience, and yeah. if you are that audience, you're gonna like it, but if you're not, then you're not gonna like yeah. it. Um, okay, number nine, we have Tick Tick Boom. Which you have at 19. I had at number four. I oh, loved wow. Tick, Tick, Boom. I loved the songs. I loved the story. I loved the acting. Like, th- this movie was a joy for me to watch from start to finish. I thought I would not like it because I was sort of tired of Lin-Manuel Miranda <laughs> when I went and saw this. But he really worked it out, I thought. Yeah, I think Andrew Garfield is really the saving grace of this film that uh, you know, like most Hollywoody things, feels a little indulgent. Like the setup of this is about a play that's about him writing a play that ends up giving him the momentum to write another play, and so it's like a lot. Yes, <laughs> it's a lot happening. Well, nothing's really happening, but I think Andrew Garfield plays it so well that you are like willing to go along on this like ego busting drive uh, ride with him, and I enjoyed it. It just wasn't like top 10 for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how I feel about the next one, which is the power of the dog mm. at number eight. You had this at number four. I had it at 19. Oh, interesting. I, I really liked power of the dog. I really respect power of the dog. I think it's a good movie that really, there isn't anything wrong with it. Um, and I do like the ending and sort of how it twists everything around. Well, I let think the record that... show that you were very drunk when you watched it. <laughs> 
Yeah, but I went back and rewatched parts of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I think what stood out for me was, like you said, I was really viscerally angry while watching it because I'm like, I'm so sick of like, oh, I'm secretly gay, so I'm really cruel, but you have to love me anyways because isn't it sad I'm closeted? And like, I thought I was being force fed this like love story between a character who felt irredeemable to me and I was like pissed off for it and then the end happened and I was like oh wait what and I like it really surprised me and I feel like that's hard to do just nowadays because you know we've seen so much and there's been so much made Mm -hmm. and I thought that was really brazen and kind of fun and clever and then to remember like all the clues that I missed like along the way because I think you could enjoy this movie even if you knew how it was going and I think you enjoy it even if you're surprised by it Mm -hmm. um and I was I liked that and it's absolutely gorgeous like the cinematography in this is beautiful and yes you know (laughs) wasn't shot in the west it was shot in New Zealand but honestly I'm not mad about it yeah, this movie should win a bunch of Oscars. It deserves to win a lot of Oscars. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she Jane Campion is the director. Um, she had a high where, um, like, a couple weeks ago, we didn't get to talk about it, but um, uh, Sam Elliott, he complained on a podcast about this movie because it wasn't, like, true Western because it was gay or something. It, it, that's a simplification of what he said. But generally, he was like, this... I thought it was bullshit. Like she's not a real Western. She doesn't know about the West. It's not even about, it's not even filmed in the West. Like how could she have anything to say, which is a really lazy take. And she rightfully called him out and was like, "Mm, I think that's kind of a bitch perspective. And it's like, you're not a cowboy. You're an actor. So like, why do you get to say what, what counts as a Western and what doesn't? Yeah. What's a West. Mm -hmm. Wonderful, wonderful moment. Immediately ruined by her winning best picture, best director at the BAFTAs. And, deciding that was the time to tell Serena and Venus Williams that, hey, at least you don't have to deal with, at least you don't have to compete against men like I do, which I can recognize she maybe thought was a joke that didn't land well, but I think also causes real harm when white women continue to try and like police who, <laughs> who's experienced the most trauma. Um, and so I'll be curious to see if she can uh, recover from that just socially. Yeah, it's interesting. I definitely think it was a lot of people were all over that on Twitter. She apologized right away. It was interesting because I was listening to a podcast and one of the people was saying like was at that event and then was at the after party. And she was like, no one like clocked it in the moment and no one was really talking about it at all at the after party. It wasn't until like she got home and real and got online and saw this. Well, that, I think we'd have um, to ask Venus and Serena how they felt in the moment, you know? Well, uh, yes, but, but like it wasn't a comment that was like, that sparked like mass outrage in the room, yeah. I guess. Um, yeah. I don't know how Venus and Serena obviously feel I mean, about the it, GIF but reaction seemed very much like a familiar, like, okay, why are you bringing my name into this? Like cringe factor. Yeah. And then there's videos of like Jane Campion trying to dance up against Venus and Serena and like forcing hugs and smiles and they seem very clearly uncomfy. But yeah, I mean, listen, is her career canceled? No. I'm sure she'll go on to do great things as she should. You know, I think this movie is a really good movie, but we just all can continue to learn and grow. <laughs> well, yes. Um, yes, definitely. <laughs> Um, number seven is another one of my horror movies that Shelby didn't watch. Oh, wow. This is The Night House. Um, 
which is actually stars the director of Passing. And it's about this woman whose husband has, who was an architect and committed suicide. And she's sort of struggling with the grief of that. And then as the film goes on, you begin to sort of untangle, like perhaps... The suicide wasn't a suicide. Perhaps there were other things involved. And it has some, like, of the most incredible, uh, like, camera work I've seen in in a horror movie. That, like, the way that the camera works and spins around sort of things. It's all about this house and the architecture of this house because the husband designed it before he died. And it's, like, in the woods. And there's so much, like, cool camera stuff that's going on um that i yeah i was just it was my number three and i was just uh, it was such a good horror movie the best of the year in my opinion wow i'm happy for you i know i love it when i find a good horror movie number six another lin-manuel project (laughs) here in the in the top of our in our top 10 it's in the height yeah which you had at 14 i have at seven oh wow i'm surprised that stayed so high for you I really loved it. I thought it was really well done. I mean, some of those sequences are some of the best, I feel like, of the year. The pool number is incredible. The whole sequence of the grandmother on the train and the different, like, time period dancers was was great. I loved the choreography. I thought the acting was good. You know I love a musical number just in general. I... You know, aside from the fact that we that there was a lesbian character that nobody knew was lesbian, the, <laughs> I did. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought I thought it didn't. I thought it it worked. And it was in very most joyful. Ways. It was very light. Yes. It was very frothy and fun. And I yeah, I think the reason it ranked a little lower was because well, I I think John M. Chu tried a lot of different things with a lot of the different musical numbers, so it felt like there wasn't always a cohesive element to each song. But I did mm-hmm. when it was high. It was high. And it's really a fun movie to revisit. Yeah. Number five, we have your number one movie of the year. It's the Mitchells versus the Machines. I honestly love it. So this wasn't in your top 10? This was number 20. Oh, I love this movie. I love it so much. And I think not enough people know about its existence because it's not a Pixar. It's not a Disney. Um, It's from the... uh, uh, Chris Miller and Phil Lord produced it. They're of the Lego movie um, mm-hmm. uh, madness. It's so clever. It's, it's so, so clever, clever. And it's such a fun animation style. Like it's meant to look like paintings. And they, I just love when a movie tries hard to be different instead of just like, Oh look, we animated a world that looks extremely realistic. Like obviously there's a time and a place for something like finding Nemo or soul where it's just like gorgeous. But I felt like this was such a fresh animation. It was like all around this teen girl about to go to college who's like obsessed with making movies on YouTube and stuff. And so she's constantly animating within the animated movie. Um, and it's all about her her feeling distant from her father, feeling distant from her, wanting to connect with her, but they can never find common ground. And so he decides to force the family to drive across the country to drop her off at college. And while they're doing it, there's a, a robot. I guess invasion, like a robot takeover and they become the last family on earth and they have to, they have to destroy the robots and the robot leaders voiced by Olivia Coleman, who's having a great time. And I just think 
everything about it is so charming, so memorable, so fresh that it's just like, and it just is so emotional and sweet and all about like the fam, the family bonds of like, I don't even know, just like w- wanting to choose each other and like love each other regardless of your flaws or whatever. And it was just like very surprising and so sweet and funny. Like just like how you expect with the Lego movie, like there's a lot of jokes for adults and a lot of like fun, zany, actiony humor for kids. Like it felt like the Incredibles meets the Lego movie almost. Yeah, I really liked it. It it did sort of remind me of the Incredibles for whatever reason. Yeah. Um and yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think it was maybe I hope like, it wins best animated. I think it's that or Encanto, unfortunately, just because, you know, Disney's yeah. death grip on it. But I know the Mitchells versus the Machines has won a couple of the like animated yeah. um like specific awards shows so far so i'm hoping that yeah it does well because it's definitely a much better film than Encanto. yeah number four i'm sort of shocked that this is so high for both of us <laughs> it's free guy which you have at seven all. i have 11 i mean i love this movie so freaking it's much so i'm so glad oh it's <laughs> it was so like i I feel like still underrated. Like yes. it was incredible. Everyone who I know who has seen it loved it, but for whatever reason, it it like never reached like, you know, peak <laughs> performance in the world. Like this should be a movie that everyone is talking about. Yeah. And it's a movie that I feel like somehow slipped by, but it's so, so freaking funny. Yeah. I've rewatched it multiple times and I just like love it. Everyone's having and a good time. Yeah. And sweet and clever. Like it just hits all of the points yeah. it needs to. And like Ryan Reynolds isn't his usual like sarcastic self. He's much more like wide-eyed, bushy-tailed, and that's kind of um kind of uh, relaxing in its own way cuz it's yes. not like his same shtick. But there's something like so clever and quick-witted about it still that it's just like so fun to watch. Mhm. Yeah. Oh, can't get enough. <laughs> number three, we have my number one movie of the year, <laughs> I which I dragged this. up. It's Spencer. I, uh, you like made a list for BuzzFeed and you said this is your number one. And I was frankly shocked. I was like, it's good, but is it number one good? I <laughs> loved this movie so much. Like why? You're not even like the... obsessed with Princess Die, are you? Oh no, which I th- I think that that is the key to this. Oh. I think that the more you're obsessed with actual Princess Diana, the less you like this movie. <laughs> the people who I know who are like Sierra, who's like more of a royalty person, uh-huh. I feel like liked it less because this is loosely based <laughs> on <laughs> a yeah like a weekend that Princess Diana spent over Christmas with the royal family, sort of on the verge of her. Um, getting a divorce from Charles. And it's from the director, Pablo Lorraine, who did Jackie. It's just this sort of like menacing. It's like almost a horror movie in some ways <laughs> of, of Kristen Stewart playing um, Princess Diana, having to, having to suffer through this like claustrophobic Christmas with the other Royals. It's about her relationship with her kids. Um, I love the costumes. I love the setting. I love the music. I think Kristen Stewart 
is a very good actress and is somehow managing to be both fully Kristen Stewart and fully (laughs) Princess Diana in this movie. Like the acting just worked for me. And then the sequence at the end with the music, when they're driving the car and they end up, I was just like, this is all, it's all hitting. And I am fully on board. I loved Spencer so much. I I really enjoyed her. I think she's rightfully the only thing nominated, but um, I also love a good costume. It was beautiful. It was gorgeous. Lots of, pretty shots but I feel like it just tried to be weird like artsy in weird ways that didn't always land like the ghost of Anne Boleyn or like choking on pearls or even when she like ran onto the oh, field the and cho- was like shoot me the or choking give me my pearl, the choking on pearls scene was so good I, <laughs> I'll think about that forever yeah I yeah I think I would have it just felt like it was trying to be surrealist, but also very realistic. And so it wasn't like always clear what I was supposed to feel. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it's a beautifully made film, but I think that is bonkers that you think it's the best film. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy for what you. Was, what was your best film? Oh, Mitchell's. the Mitchells versus the Machines. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um, okay. Number two is the only movie that both you and I have in our top 10. You have it at number nine. I have it at number eight. It is Flea, mm. the documentary about a, I believe it's Afghanistan, yeah. an immigrant from Afghanistan who's gay and who um, flees with his family to Russia and then sort of has to figure out how he is going to get from there into um, the European Union. And it's really interesting because the actual person it's a documentary so the actual person who it's based on did not want his identity revealed and so to protect his anonymity they did the whole thing in animation so it's all animated which yeah is interesting in or i think is is great in that it is protecting this person but also allows them to do a lot of really fun interesting things with what he sang in the way that it's animated that you wouldn't be able to, if it was just a straightforward um, documentary. Like, I don't know how else you would tell this story when obviously they don't have all of this footage where the animation gives them leeway to be able to, you know, sort of do whatever. Yeah. It's strangely like humanizing because if you just had a bunch of stock footage of like the crisis and the invasion and, and the bombings and the running, and even if they had family footage of this family, I think it would just feel almost clinical in its examination because there's always that distance with the documentary, like where you're observing. Whereas this made it feel like almost more like a story where you're focused on one person and kind of the, you know, like a Belfast or, or something like that, where you're just like, watching this one person's life and connecting all these pieces and it just felt like so approachable and like I don't know just like really moving because it stripped away all of the like like voiceover I don't know like historical facts you would have to pepper in in a real like in a more true uh documentary yeah, this is also the first movie that's ever been nominated for international documentary and animated all at the Oscars. Yeah. And I'm deathly terrified that it's somehow going to lose all three <laughs> of those, but I hope it wins. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, I would be shocked if it doesn't win documentary, but I guess I didn't watch the other documentaries. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I've watched some of them. Okay, the number one film of this year is Dune. 
<laughs> so what did you have as ranked at? I have it at 12. Oh, okay. Okay. So close. And you have it at five. Yeah. Yes. I thought... I like still hear people complain about X, Y, and Z. Like, oh, Zendaya. Oh, false advertising. Oh, it's so slow. Oh, it's walking. I've never like cared about a movie that feels like setup because as long as it's like a good setup, then it's like enjoyable. It's like, I don't mind watching these people walk through the desert and bemoan their loss of family because it's like interesting and it's so beautifully made. Like, I think this movie is stunning and I don't understand the hate it gets because it's like, this is a movie about a planet with sandworms. Like, why are we, (laughs) why are we taking it so seriously that we can't respect the serious way that Dennis took it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. The, the artistry of this, this is by far the most beautiful movie of the year. It's got the best crafts. It should win 16 Oscars just for all of the the craft categories, the music, the sound, the costumes, the makeup, the production design, the visual effects, like all exquisite. And uh, yes, since I read the book, I feel like I did not find the story as, um, unapproachable as maybe people did who hadn't read it but I felt like it was like it did a good job of setting it up and I think the story at its core is interesting you yeah. know it's basically a assassination plot line for this half of the book which is the half that we got in the first film and I can understand sort of the thinking of okay well like let's wait till the second one to sort of like maybe give it an oscar or whatever um but no i'm like we should like this movie is great i think this should be the movie that wins best picture this year like it's not going to but i think that's how it should happen and i think that it's the yeah it's like we didn't give it to um mad max when we should have and i Mm. feel like this is the redemption narrative that we are also going to miss That's interesting. I do think ultimately Mad Max is a better film, but I do, I do love what's going on here, but there is like an iffy vibe with this whole like (laughs) colonialism, what's the word? Imperialism, like white saviory. I meant to save these poor unfortunate souls with my, my specialness, but I'm suspending disbelief because again, it's a planet with sandworms. And I think everyone in this movie, including Jason Momoa, was doing great. I loved it. Yeah, I did not like Jason Momoa's <laughs> performance. Which... What is his name? Colorado Cowboy or something? Oh, yeah. I, uh, Arkans- Arkansas? <laughs> Alabama? I can't remember. Duncan Idaho. Duncan That's what it was. Idaho. Love that guy. Um, but yeah, I think it's like, it was a really... S- I, I didn't know anything about the storyline. I had no context. But I was fully engrossed. Yeah. Yeah. How could you not be? It was, it was exquisite. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh. Uh, well, there we go. Another year, another countdown. I feel like somehow this was longer oh than gosh, the other ones. So I think long. we talked more. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. But it just, you know, it just gives people something to listen to, something to get them through their many yes, days of work. Yes, now yes, that they're all commuting yes. again. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but next week is the actual Oscars. Yeah. So we'll have to get our predictions in line for that <laughs> yeah. and and watch. And we'll be back next Thursday to talk about those and, and lament how all of the things that we wanted to win uh, will not, inevitably. Yeah. R.I.P. But uh, thanks for sticking with us this long, if you have. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.